Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Nyclin Bar podcast, Shaked and Stirred. I'm Jeremiah Batchkin, and I'm the conference director for the show. Today's guest is Jabin Throth, who's the founder and CEO of License to Distill. We're super excited to have Jabin speak in our marketing pillar next month at the show, end of March in Las Vegas, which is the best practices when working with social media influencers. In this panel, he's joined by Natalie from Beautiful Booze, Vance from Hendrix Gin, and also Adam Raines from the Golden Tiki. On today's episode, we break down how he got started and grew his page to over a million followers in just a few years he's been in the industry. We also dig into how he's helped other brands grow to tens of thousands of followers like Whistlepig and what he thinks the biggest brands that are growing the fast on Instagram are doing right. He also breaks down ways that bars and restaurants can work with these social media influence and ambassadors and the best approach to make sure you're actually getting an ROI for the effort. So tune in for today's episode. Enjoy. The Distill was uh, something that my wife and I uh, created a few years ago, just just based on an appreciation for craft cocktails, for bartenders, for the experiences that uh, great bars and bartenders create. We had our first experience at Noble Experiment down in San Diego, and we were absolutely hooked. Uh, so when the time came to start a page, an Instagram page, and kind of learn what was going on on social media to see if I could use it professionally in the industry that I was in, we decided to start a page that was about something we loved. So we started License to Distill really as a platform to just share some of the uh, best bars that we were going to and different uh, trends that we saw going all over the world, bars that we wanted to travel to. So the content really was around bars, bartenders, cocktails, spirits, um, a lot about the ice culture mm-hmm. and uh, cocktail ice and, and and crafting clear ice, carving ice. So that's the way it started. And then it just kind of took off from there, uh, you know, to the platform that it is now, which is essentially a, a still a platform for bartenders to to show their skills and, and what they're doing in the cocktail scene and for spirits brands to get the word out about uh, some of their uh, some of their brands and and, and different expressions. Yeah, I love when we, we first talked, you talked about, you know, your account was also about like raising the bar. And as you mentioned, like clear ice, I love the fact that you go all in on, you know, ice posts and ice videos. You're like, guys, whether you want to see this or not, you're getting clear ice videos. Um, and and you haven't just kind of just grown your own account, which by the way, I love the, the reference. So uh, can I ask you real quick, uh, your favorite band growing up maybe, and maybe where some of that, the name got inspired from? Yeah, so uh, obviously, well, no, I shouldn't say obviously, right? but License to Distill is a reference to Beastie Boys and License to Ill. Um, I say it obviously because to me, that's like a, a no-brainer connection. However, um, I have run into several people that are maybe a little bit older than I am that that think that it's a James Bond reference. <laughs> so it works both ways, but yeah. but it's a License to Ill, one of my favorite albums. Uh, Beastie Boys, one of my favorite bands. So years ago, my wife, you know, bought me a uh, at-home, you know, whiskey aging kit barrel deal for our for our anniversary. And a buddy of mine who does a lot with home brewing was like, "Hey, you gotta if you're gonna make some whiskey, you gotta name it." So we're sitting out, 
having drinks one night on the on the porch on this trip, and uh, we came up with the name License to Distill. So fast forward several years, getting ready to start the Instagram account. My wife said, "Hey, what do you want it to be?" I said, "Just just just put License to Distill. We'll call it that." Yeah. And that's how that's how that started. That's awesome. So let let's stay on that whiskey note for a second. Because uh, you haven't just built a massive following on your own account. You've also been behind the growth of a lot of other brands like Whistlepig. Um, so actually, uh, as a group, uh, Nike and Bar, we tracked uh, 100 brands on Instagram. And one thing I noticed was they were a clear outlier. And I didn't know you at the time. I didn't know about your brand or some of your work with them. Uh, and then we talked. And then I realized, like, yeah, like you were the one behind that. I heard some of your story, how you helped grow that from literally zero followers when they had a, another account uh, and to what it is today. So can you share some insights with our audience of how you were kind of able to help them punch above their weight? Yeah, absolutely. When I, when I first met with them, I was, I really had zero experience in the spirits industry, uh, to be honest with you, other than, uh, just as a, you know, an enthusiast. So I, I got on the phone, uh, through some, you know, um, trying to get their attention, uh, for quite a while on social, I finally got uh, the CMO on the phone, had a conversation with him, and just talked from a consumer point of view of why I felt some of the whiskey brands, some of the spirits brands in general, um, weren't really maximizing the opportunities they had on social, and why a lot of the content seemed, as a consumer, to be you know fairly boring, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so I I pitched this idea of you know, why, why aren't the brand sharing more content that is interesting to their audience? And, um, why does it all have to be look and feel the same, all be branded? Why can't it look and feel a little bit more like a blog or, um, a website that, that shares some of the, some of the inspiration that goes into the brand, um, some of the pillars, some of the talking points that, that people that drink that spirit are into. So, what does a whiskey drinker do when he's not drinking whiskey or what does he do while he's drinking whiskey? You know, where does he travel? What does he drive? What does he eat? Those types of things. And thankfully on this call with the Whistlepig CMO, um, he had a similar, you know, vision for, for the social for Whistlepig. Um, and so he said, Hey, this is kind of what I've been thinking too. So this is a good fit. Why don't we, why don't we talk a little bit more and, and build this out and see what happens. So long story short, we met at Tails that year um, and and he, they, they gave me a shot. <laughs> I had never run social for a brand before, never been in the spirits industry wow. before. So they definitely took a risk. Um, they had, I believe at that time, they had about 13,000 followers on their, on their Whistlepig page. So they told me, they said, hey, you know, we don't want to just you know, push this aside. I told him, I said, Hey, let's start from scratch. We got to really, we got to start this page off on the right foot, right content. Um, so let's start, let's start from scratch. And they were really hesitant about that. So they came back to me and said, listen, this is what we want to do. Hot shot. You know, you don't, you've never even had a job before in this industry. So easy with us, uh, you know, getting rid of our page. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a new page. We're going to call it the whistle pig experience which may be the longest name in the mm-hmm. history of Instagram. Um, we're going to let you do your thing. You execute your strategy over there. We're still going to keep the Whistlepig Whiskey main account. And when your page, that that page that we let you run, gets bigger than our page, now we'll talk about what we're going to do to, you know, where we're going to go with this. I said, no problem. 
So I took that as a challenge. I, I We started the account. I started posting on it. And I believe within, it may have been a week, it may have been 10 days, uh, we had 15,000 followers on the new account. And I called my boss and said, hey, what do you want to do? Uh, Whistlepig experience is bigger than Whistlepig whiskey. And we had it. We had a, we basically lit a match on the old account, switched over the name to the new account. And in two years, it became the third largest uh, account in the world on Instagram for, in terms of whiskey, had 185,000 followers and was uh, just a rocket ship in terms of, of growth. That on is, Instagram. That's, that's kind of amazing. And uh, we're super excited to hear you talk more about that. Um, at the show because like to dig into that, there's so many bars and restaurants and, and nightlife venues that are struggling to kind of, you know, have a different viewpoint on what they should be posting, you know, and, and our five pillars of our show this year, I mean, it's marketing, guest experience, food and beverage operations and people and staffing and our busiest conference like pillar is always marketing. Like people just gravitate towards it. And I don't know, it's because they think they have the most control there or maybe because they have the most instant kind of result. Like once they post instantly, they get validation whether people liked it, where putting on a new dish or like implementing a whole new training program for your staff, one, it's very hard. And two, it takes a little while to kind of see the results of that. So we always see like marketing, it kind of like as a, as a, a place where people gravitate towards most of our sessions are a standing room only. And, and one, we love that. We love people at our show, but we always try to say, hey, like, what's the real message about social media or marketing they should be thinking about? Like we know it's so important. Um, I mean, so, you know, to kind of get insights from the top brands that are growing, we take that, we took that same hundred brands from 2018 and we looked at their accounts again in 2019 at the same time. So almost a calendar year. And we saw three brands really, you know, stand out. It was Corona, Heineken and Aviation Gin. Both, all of those grew over a hundred thousand followers uh, the average brand was growing around 22% year over year. Uh, and these brands were like well above that, um, you know, 75, 100% growth and for some of the smaller ones. And I think as you kind of said it, like what you did with Whistlepig, they were connecting with what the audience can, you know, thinks about their, their, you know, ability to tell stories and, and brand imagery was super high. Like if you look at Corona, maybe every sixth or fifth post actually has a, a picture of a Corona bottle. The rest of it are just amazing images of yeah. beaches and destinations to go to and aviation their stuff is just right. funny like i mean granted they got ryan reynolds probably helping them write content so it's like super funny because he's a great hilarious guy uh we don't always have that in our back pocket but even like the peloton like that was more just like really quick smart marketing and how they responded to uh the, if you guys didn't see it it was a woman who had a bike purchased by her husband. And so there's a whole social media kind of backlash and kind of went viral. And then Aviation Gin kind of posted a video of that same actress drinking gin with her friends saying, hey, it's going to be okay. And they were kind of like rescuing her, quote unquote. It was just, it was just awesome. So like, what do you, what are your, some of your thoughts when you look at, you know, those three brands or any other brands on, on that list that we shared and how they're growing and what they're doing right? Yeah. Um, so the, the Corona one, I think is a good example. Um, I got excited to, when I saw that, uh, their content, because I, I don't, I don't follow them typically. So it wasn't until, you know, we were kind of looking at the results, uh, that you sent that I, I really kind of dug into their page and I'll agree with you. I and mean, when you go to that page, you have to, you have to scroll a little bit to find branding, to find product. And to be honest with you, I looked at that and I said, man, that's like validation because that's what I, 
That's what I felt like nobody was doing in this industry. And that's what we did with Whistlepig. We made sure that we still had branded content, but it wasn't jammed down your throat. It wasn't every post has to be branded. And as I've talked to other brands in this industry, and we've talked about that strategy, I've flat out had people look at me and go, you're nuts. Like, who cares if I have 185,000 followers? If I post this video and it doesn't have any Mm -hmm. branding, who cares? And I'm like, you don't understand then how people view social media. You know, if you're jamming your brand down their throat, um, it... (laughs) It's not going to resonate the same way as if you break it up and you and you talk a little bit about the lifestyle and the experience. And that's what you see with Corona. You get there and it feels like a travel mm-hmm. page. You're you're transported to islands and beaches and and yes, the product isn't always in those shots, but that's okay. That's all right. You get the feeling, it evokes the emotion. And by the way, it keeps the the uh, follower engaged. You can still talk about the product in the copy. You still see the name of the account. You're still getting an impression on that person, even though it may not be the label or the bottle. And when I see that, I'm like, okay, that's a brand that understands content on social and understands what a follower wants. I can't think of one, I have a lot of brands I'm very loyal to. I can't think of one brand that I want to wake up every morning and pull up my feed and see their bottle and their label every day. I mean, I just, Mm -hmm. I don't care about it that much. Um, Show me something that will, that's interesting. That's different. That makes me feel good about, about being a part of that brand or that makes me think that, you know what, this weekend I'm going to have people over and we're going to make that, that grilling recipe. And yeah, we're probably going to end up drinking your whiskey because I don't even realize it, but there was an impression that went on when I saw that, that, that recipe or that video of that, that steak being grilled. And it was on that whiskey brands page. Um, now I'm going to, I'm my subconsciously, I'm putting that stuff together and, and I'm going to probably be drinking that whiskey and maybe trying that recipe later in the day. And that's what I've seen in, in doing some of the, the content for a brand like Whistlepig, where you put on like a food post like that. And all of a sudden it's bookmarked, just bookmarked by thousands of people. Mm-hmm. What are those people doing that for? Well, they're going to go back. They're going to try that recipe and they're going to come back to that post. They're going to see it again. And they're one click away from the rest of your page and the rest of your content. Uh, they're one click away from your stories, your most recent post. It has tremendous value outside of just that single post. So when you're talking about Corona, I think, I think that their content is, is awesome. And aviation, you know, a little bit different. When you go on there, you do see a lot of branded content, but it's done in a way that makes you feel it's almost got Ryan's personality in it. They do a great job of, of kind of bringing those two things together. The, there isn't a disconnect between Ryan and his personality well and his page and the brand. And you can see there's a lot of whiskey brands like that that have owners or people involved that have large followings, and they're not as successful as as Aviation's. But there's usually a personality disconnect. But Aviation's got it nailed. the The ads are are clever. They're funny. Um, they they have a sense of humor. They can laugh at themselves. They don't take themselves too seriously. All of that works really well on social, and you can see it in the growth. Yeah, that they've had. Very well said. Um, I mean, that's kind of 
what you want to see from brands or, or anybody online that's trying to connect with an audience, as you said, like no one likes seeing commercials, you know, like and when you look at the stats today, like you're more likely to like uh, survive a plane crash than you are to click on a banner ad. Cause that's a, you know, like banner blindness is a real thing. And so when these people are like always trying to like blast their ad in front of people's, you know, face, like they're instantly turned off, you know, they're, and they're going to actually going to do it subconsciously. They're going to see that it might be an ad and they instantly scroll elsewhere. Like their eyes, like, you know, avert it, like it's the plague. So like thinking about things that can actually pull them in, like, as you said, like, like a, a food post on a whiskey brand, like, how does that make sense? Well, it's because like you're connecting, you know, that, that, imagery that that sense of feeling you know hanging with friends grilling out like that's where i want to be most days you know and so then you think of whistle pig or whatever brand posted that um so and how about like bar accounts is there any other uh, accounts that are like you know on-premise locations that you know uh people can learn from as well that you think you know does a really good job of, of the kind of what you were just describing yeah sure i think that that one that stands out and it's it's no surprise because everything that they do is is on point. Mm-hmm. But Death and Co has always done a really good job with with their social. And what's what I find interesting about about them, I, I don't want to say that they're the only ones that do this because I, I haven't talked to obviously to every every uh, bar or, or restaurant. But when I first when I first met um, Dave Kaplan from from Death and Co. You could tell right away, and this is probably going back, you know, three and a half years ago, maybe four years ago. You could tell right away that they understood and were serious about social media. So it wasn't just something that that was given to as you know from like the hostess as a hobby or the owner of the of the bar ran social on the side. It was something that they had someone dedicated to. There was a plan. There was a content strategy. They took it seriously, and they have used it in a in a tremendous way as they've continued to build out their brand outside of just New York. You know, when they added Denver, when they added Los Angeles, um, well, adding Los Angeles this month, when they released books, social media has played a role in in all of that success. Um, but it's because when they were just a one location bar in New York, they were thinking about it already as a serious platform. They didn't, they didn't think about it seriously when they decided they were going to expand. They were thinking about it from the start as a platform that could help them build their brand. And they've done a wonderful job. You go on there, you see consistent content, you see educational pieces. Um, One of the things that I like is that on a weekly basis, they share content that other people have created, but that are, you know, recreating their drinks. And I, I have to say, you know, one of the things, and, and, and this goes for, for bars, for restaurants, and for brands, a lot of times there is a reluctance to share other people's content. But, you know, it's, it, it gives a little bit more familiar uh, feel when you go on there and it's not everything shot by the same person, shot in the same place, the same location, the same lighting, same glassware, it's like, no, here's so-and-so, this this person, one of our followers recreated one of our favorite cocktails at home and it doesn't look perfect, but how cool. They took a recipe out of our book and they recreated it and we're going to share it. Those types of things um, help bring people in. They feel part of the team. Um and that's why you get a like a death and co becomes um, 
a destination bar where maybe they're maybe all, all their followers certainly aren't in New York, Denver, and Los Angeles. But you know what? When they travel to those places, guess where they're going to go? They're going to go to Death and Go. You know, they're going to want to visit it because they've been following it. They've been engaged in it even prior to ever stepping foot in the bar. I followed Death and Go before my, I ever walked into that to that bar. I didn't follow them because I'd been there. I followed them because there was an amazing bar um, on, on social. And that made me want to go there. So, yeah, that, I think they do a great job. There's another one out here on the West Coast, Lock and Key uh, in Downey. Okay, uh, Mark at Lock and Key has a couple different accounts, a couple different themes, but you know that that's a that's a bar that adds humor. Um, they he puts a lot of time into you know filming content before they open during the day, doing interesting things. Um, they were they had a really big campaign with their tomahawks. They went viral, were shared all over, and and there was a lot of videos about that. And then he started he shifted and was doing a lot of stuff with different burgers. And they started an incredible burger program that that took off so, on social and did a lot of content around it. And again, it's content that's interesting. It's not just here's a picture of the burger. It's a unique video or different take on it that they share that, to be honest with you, even though they don't live, they're not right in my backyard and maybe I'm not there you know, every week, it keeps me engaged and keeps me thinking, you know, I got to get in there. I haven't been there for, for a while. I need to get in there. I want to see those guys. I want to try that new menu or whatever the case may be. And uh, it, it it stays at the top of my feed because I'm engaging with their content. Yeah, I, as I love both those examples. Sure. And and DK, you know, he was at our show, you know, this past year um, uh, on our keynote stage t- talking about, you know, kind of his ability to also drive millions of dollars literally from his social media because they did a crowdsourcing campaign where they said, hey, not only are you guys engaged fans on our social media feed, now you can actually have, own a little piece of Death and Company uh, because, you know, crowdsourcing laws have changed. And, you know, I, I, 2.1 million or 2.7 might have been the, the end up total, whatever it was, it was, you know, seven figures uh, from a lot of their fans, you know, at, at you know, five, ten thousand dollars a piece. It was just that many. And and their mm-hmm. content is, is just awesome, because like, as you kind of mentioned earlier about recipes, you know, like. I can imagine they just get tons and tons of bookmarks because they're not just they're not afraid to share the recipe of their amazing cocktails. And I think some people are hesitant, like, oh, like, you know, this is our proprietary stuff. And, you know, there's no cocktail out there that somebody can't reverse engineer to a degree. You know, maybe it's slightly off or slightly different. But, you know, the reason that makes cocktails so great when you go out is you don't have to do all these crazy, you know, steps to make it every time, you know, like making clear ice is a process, you know, making, you know, homemade bitters that are infused with a certain flavor is a process. So when you are able to go out and actually have it, it's also a lot of fun to make it, you know, back home. But for the most part, you also, you know, want to give that information out freely because then people save it and they associate you as being one, a thought leader, as an influencer, as someone that gives them utility. So like mm-hmm. they like your feed, they follow it, they share it with their friends. And you know, as you, as you said, you really build a following that way and you really see the growth in it. Cause yeah, they're, they're off to the races in terms of being one of the biggest bar accounts. And if you look at their square footage in New York, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a shoebox. I think they got like three or four tables and like, 10 to 15 bars but they yeah you would think they're like this massive massive corporation the the size of their following but it's actually you know not and obviously they're growing by locations now and that's awesome to see so yeah two two really good examples there well yeah absolutely and 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 by the way i mean as close as i am to to uh 
to Dave Kaplan. I don't, I, I don't even call him DK. I still call him Mr. Kaplan. So, um, but I, I will, I will say to your point about the, uh, sharing the recipes, you know, as a consumer, I'm not, I'm not a professional bartender to say that right now. I'm not a professional bartender, but I'm a, I'm an at-home enthusiast. It is nearly impossible for an at-home enthusiast to come home, even with a recipe, even with exact specs and recreate what they have experienced and tasted at mm-hmm. a premier bar. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you don't have the exact ingredients most of the time. You don't have the exact technique and you don't have the environment that, that goes into all of our senses being engaged when we go to these places. So that's, that's just a fact of the matter. So when, when a bar like death and co says, Hey guys, we're, we're comfortable enough to know that that the way that you're going to get this cocktail precisely right is at our bar. And we're not threatened by the fact that you can make this at home. We get it that giving you this recipe is not going to hurt us at all. You're going to go home. You're going to stay engaged with the brand as you try this recipe. And maybe you have your own version of it, or it's not quite right, but it's close enough. And it evokes the feeling of being back there, but it's not going to stop me from going back into death and co next time because they can make it a hundred times better than I can. But it just shows that it shows a little bit of like a you're in the family versus we will never share those secrets with you. We're not going to share the recipe with you. You can only get that by coming in. It's like, come on, I'm not going to be able to recreate that thing. I can't make a drink like Alex does, but I can I can try. There's a few there's a few recipes that I make that I got off of Death and Co recipes, but I can tell you this: they're 100 percent better when I get in there and when I'm in that bar. And I got their glassware and I'm sitting at that in that dark bar in New York. It's going to be better no matter what. So I think it's a very smart move for them to bring people in to the family versus doing what I, I'm sorry, but too many bars do, which is make you feel like you're not cool enough to be in the family. They're too cool for school. They know what they're doing. You don't. Um, when you evoke that feeling in people, it, it turns them off. But Death and Co brings people so in, right. and that's why I think they so do a great par- job. Parting shot, um, you know, Instagram and Facebook, you know, kind of circling back to that. A um, lot of changes coming up, like really soon. Uh, so, in terms of influencers and you know followers, and and you know actually being able to see who's liked it and how many likes and all that stuff. You know, thinking about that, or what you know, what are the big trends you think going into twenty twenty that are really going to affect you know the industry and get people kind of. Uh, changing their strategy because, you know, we're just living in a different environment. Yeah. I, I think that um, one of the big things, it's a frustration uh, for, for everyone, but Instagram and Facebook, there's always algorithm changes. You know, you don't have a lot of control over who sees your content, uh, how many people see it, where they see it from, unless you, you know, throw some money at it with some ads, some targeted ads and, and help dictate those audiences. Um, so I think the biggest thing that I would, um, encourage, you know, bars and restaurants to do when it comes to engaging with, you know, quote unquote influencers or anybody that they want to have promote their, their establishment is to manage expectations. Uh, if you just look at the follower count, it can be exciting. You think like, okay, I've got this person coming in, and they've got you know fifty thousand followers. Business is going to be booming as soon as they they post about us or do a story about us. But the reality of social media is that 
a very, you know, small percentage of that audience is going to see the content. So, and, and you got to think regionally too. So just to give you an example, you might have an account that has a hundred thousand followers and you may look at their page and they may be getting 1500, 2000 likes. So how many people is that are actually seeing that content? It's not a hundred thousand. It's, it's less than that. But then you take it and you go, well, how many people are going to see that content, like that content, engage with it. That's from the city that I'm in, that the bar or the restaurants actually in, you know, you look at, at some of the numbers because these social media platforms are global. And you know, I was talking to one, you know, influencer and I think his largest city, you know, follower wise was one that had five, five percent of his follower base was from one city. So you take a, you take a, uh, an account that's got an influencer that's got a hundred thousand followers. They're getting 2000 likes on a picture but f- maybe 5% of those are from an individual city. Now you're talking about what a hundred people maybe seeing it from your city. So managing those expectations is really important. Um, the content is great. That's, that's valuable. The promotion is great, but make sure that you're not extending yourself to the point where you think that this is going to be like a hail Mary. That's going to save the bar or save the restaurant. Because, you know, license to distill is coming in and they're going to post about it. And so now the, you know, the phone's going to be ringing off the hook for reservations. That's not always how it happens. It really depends on a lot of factors. However, however, if you have people that have a nice local following that create good content, that have a well, you know, an audience that's really engaged, it can be valuable to engage with these guys. Um, it can be nice to, you know, comp them on a couple of drinks or maybe on part of their meal, whatever the case may be, whatever isn't too much of a stretch for the bar or for the restaurant, but to keep them coming back, keep them talking about uh, the restaurant, keep talking about the establishment, sharing it with your audience. There is value to it, but manage expectations. It's not going to save, it's not going to save you from, you know, going out of business because a couple Instagrammers come in and take some well, pictures well of their said. food. And, and I think that's where, you know, I kind of reference. Our, our marketing track gets so much, you know, traction and actually, you know, purposely steer people to other places because, you know, good marketing can only, uh, you know, make up for a bad experience for so long. Eventually, you know, the, the true word of what the experience like gets out. So if you're not focused on really that guest experience first, it might be great that you have some influencers come in. You might be great to kind of hit your name out there, but you really got to drive it. And, you know, we kind of see that for the bars that are sustainable and growing, you know, they're, they're firing on all cylinders and marketing is just part of it. So uh, I'm glad you kind of, you know, yourself, uh, you know, what I would consider a really good marketer are also looking at the other factors. So, um, you know, where can people find you on, online, on Instagram, you know, any places you want to suggest uh, to follow you besides License to Distill or things to check out? That's a, that's main one, License to Distill uh, on Instagram. And you can DM me at any time, or there's an email uh, button that you can hit. We I respond to all those DMs, all those emails. And license to distill.com uh, has a lot more about our our brand, um, what we do, how we work with brands, and also some good merch and some other things on there. So so check that out. But um, reach out anytime. Happy to talk and engage and help out any way I can. And uh, hopefully get awesome, to meet Jay, everyone really at the, your time at the show in Vegas as well.